TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. I think a lot of factors go into play as you're starting the process. I remember filling out home study paperwork, and I think we checked every box because we were okay with anything. But I mean, looking back, were we really thinking about what are the implications of this? I'm Lauren. And I'm Scott. And we're the Reedies. That's right. Reedy spelled ready. It's a pun. One I've heard my entire life. So much so that we've decided to make it a thing. Ready, ready or, or not. not. On this podcast, we'll share our journey to becoming adoptive parents while also running a business together. It may not be easy, but you can bet we're ready or not. Hello, and welcome to episode four of Ready or Not, a podcast about growing your family and your business. Recorded inside our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee. Cozy closet studio. Max, of course, is sleeping again, and we're back at it, still sharing our adoption journey. Today, we're talking about core values and how they led us to adoption, and we have a special guest. A special guest indeed, Shelly Scooster, mother of four and writer of This Family's Journey, who is going to have a very candid conversation with us about personal core values, the decision to love unconditionally, and the topic of transracial adoption. But first, happy Valentine's Day to all our listeners. Valentine's Day is special to me because it's also, well, the next day is my birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, but the big news of the weekend is we won our first Emmy. We won our first Emmy. Now, a quick side story about why this is a big deal. When I first met Lauren, one of her lifelong dreams when she was in news was to win an Emmy. And so it is poetic and amazing that it took her leaving the TV world, starting her own thing. And that is when she got her, not her first Emmy nomination, but her first Emmy win. Yeah. Just this past Saturday. And uh, we were listening to it. We were live streaming it because we had family in town and we didn't want to go all the way to Nashville. And I, honestly, because I didn't expect to win. <laughs> uh, and they waited till the very end. Our category was like the last five of the remaining show. And I believe mid-sentence, I was like, no, that one's going to win. And then they announced. And And I thought it was perfect. We had some friends over. We had some family over. It was pretty awesome it was awesome i gotta say it's a dream come true in many ways and i think the way you worded it earlier scott was that it's dream and mission combined it is the meeting of dream and mission yes yeah so it's always been a dream of mine but the the story we told was the mission and that's a perfect segue into the real meaning and meat of this episode about core values what do you say we get started scott all right let's go Today we're talking core values, and it's something that we've always, always, always preached as business owners, knowing that core values help us make big decisions when we're faced with them. Core values is something that I've learned and used in the business world a lot. Uh, For our business, we use four, service, collaboration, creativity, and efficiency. In my experience, the best thing you can do with core values is judge your decisions against them. And if the the decision compared against your core values and what you really believe in uh, will come out right almost every time. And never have I ever realized the importance of core values, specifically personal core values, than I did when we were faced with the decision of whether to say yes to our adoption of Max. In fact, it was core values that finally led us to make the decision. 
uh, when we were when we got the call and we got the information and we had all of the logistics and the details of Max's case and possible drug exposure and that he was going to be born in California somewhere, but we didn't know where and in the next two weeks <laughs> and just all of the uncertainty that surrounded Max Max's whole situation. And when we finally got down to it, I said to Lauren, we talk about core core values in business and we talk about using them to make the big decision. We need to do this now. Personally, core values, what do we believe in and what do they tell us to do? And even by saying those words, we, didn't we knew even finish exactly the what we needed to do. Yeah, we were sitting on the edge of the bed at our condo and we were going on and on and on in circles about what to do, whether this was the right decision. If, uh, you know, how, how do you make a decision like this? And you said, well, if we strip away all of the things we're worried about and all the things we've been talking about for the last two hours and think about our core values and the reason why we started doing this, the decision is easy. Ultimately, what it came down to was the reason we got into adoption. We wanted to grow our family. We wanted to give a child a home who didn't have an ideal scenario and give them one. I and suppose. the rest was and the rest was history. history. It was easy after that. Of course, we didn't get to that decision alone, though, because we had close friends and family that helped us along the way, laid a foundation, instilled those values in us. And that's actually why we're bringing on our special guest, Shelly Scooster. Shelly is an award-winning television news reporter who traded her suit. Former television news. That's the thing. Former. She traded in her suit and red, her suit coats, which I had many, and red lipstick for a messy bun and yoga pants because she decided to stay at home with her kids and focus on raising her four kids under the age of five, by the way, two of which are adopted. In her free time, though, this is so impressive because most moms don't have any free time. Uh, she writes for This Family's Journey. It's a blog she started about infertility, adoption, and family. And her work, get this, has been featured on Today.com, Parents, Her View from Home, Huffington Post, and Adoption.com, as well as a variety of print magazines. And she, her husband, and their four kids live in Des Moines, Iowa, where Scott grew up. Whoop, whoop, Scott. <laughs> Fun fact, though, Shelly and I actually have never met in person. Right, Shelly? Right. It's so crazy when you think about it, because I feel like our paths have overlapped multiple times, but we've never actually seen each other in person. And as Lauren said, I live in Des Moines. I am a mom of four children, ages five and under. Yeah. And you and I crossed paths sort of in Omaha, Nebraska, right? That's the Omaha and Waterloo, Iowa. Those are the two markets we both worked in, but not right. at the same time. So I think ours were like yeah, so I think because I started in Omaha, um, that was where my TV career started. And then we moved back home, which is part of our family's journey, when I reported for the station I grew up watching, which was KWWL. Ron Steele, if he's listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not only is that the best anchor name, but it's his real name. Right. Okay, so let's just cut right to the chase. Um Let's talk a little bit about, I know this is a, a longer story, but how did you and your husband, Chris, how did you feel led to adopt? I would say it was about a year after we got married. We had decided, all right, now's a good time to start a family. I was a TV reporter and he was a, Chris was a police officer at the time. Everything, you know, uh, we were financially stable, had a really nice house, had a, a cute dog, and we were just ready to bring kids into the mix, but it didn't come uh, easily. And it certainly did not go the way that we planned. Um, 
so well on the outside we looked like we had it all together we really didn't and we were struggling with infertility went through some infertility treatments that all failed and took a long time to grieve the hopes and dreams we had for our family so um we spent quite a bit of time just processing it all and letting go of the image that we had for our family, which, you know, nothing went according to plan. You know, eventually, um, after a few years, we grieved the process of having biological kids. And um, in 2015 was when we decided it was, there was a blizzard, it was a blizzard outside in Iowa. And like right um, now, like right now, right now. Yeah. There's a blizzard now too. It was 70 in Memphis and not to rub it in. Oh, seriously. God. Everybody just, wonders why we moved down was, south. Just moved down I south. I mean, for real, it is like unbearably cold outside. Um, but anyway, so it was a blizzard. I wasn't working that day. And um, that's also, a I remember, right. Which, yeah, especially because that's all I did really in the winter was snow reporting. But anyway, so we were in our living room and, um, and I remember looking at Chris and I just was like, what do you think about adopting? And he was like, I felt like he was waiting for me to say it. (laughs) And I think it took me maybe a little bit longer to grieve the whole, you know, feeling broken from infertility and move on to a different path for our family. But the bottom line was that we just realized that we had wanted to be parents regardless of how that came to us, regardless yeah. of how our children came to us. We just wanted to be a mom and dad. And so um, we, it was in February of 2015 and um, we, our heads were spinning and we decided to start the process. And six months later was when uh, we were chosen to be our daughter's parents and uh, she had just been born. So we hopped a flight. So that was kind of how the journey began, yeah. And, and that was just the first so many, of so right. many other adventures yeah. in your life. <laughs> and your kids are all yeah. under five. Well, I, it's really beautiful. I know you share a lot about that in your uh, on this family's journey. Um, can you talk a little bit about that before we go into the core of this episode, which is about core values? Yeah, so I started, when I was a TV reporter um, in Northeast Iowa, I started a blog um, shortly after my husband and I decided that we were going to grow our family through adoption. And I didn't quite know where it was going to lead me. Um, but I felt like, well, I mean, as you know, I'm a storyteller. That was what I went to school for. And that is, I think I was just born. Yeah. I was just born with that. I, I felt like it was a story in progress and, um, So I more so, (laughs) right. And, um, and I felt like, so I, I blogged about the process that, you know, like we announced we were adopting. And so there were quite a few TV viewers who followed along and, um, and I definitely connected with other people who have adopted and as well as people who were adopted. Um, and I learned a lot through them in the process of, you can learn a lot you through know, those folks. A I, lot. I've right. always found it pretty. Right. Ama- I've always found it pretty amazing how once, at least for us, once we put it out there that we were adopting, or after we had adopted Max, that people just seem to come out of the woodwork with adoption stories, just everywhere oh, in yeah. our lives. Absolutely. I mean, it was just 
and that's kind of how it was for it's kind of how it has been the whole time actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah still Um, going (laughs) yeah and um I mean obviously like my focus has changed a little bit since the beginning um we're not in the adoption process anymore um but yeah it's just been a good avenue to share about um the process because my hope was that other people would learn that um that it's a good way to grow your family but also that we would be able to connect with other people who have who had been through the process um and offer some insight and i feel like it's just been i mean it's been a huge blessing for me to be able to share our story and also just connect with so many different people on so many different levels there's yeah. certainly things that you know we've that i will always keep private because i don't feel like every detail is worth sharing but um but it definitely has been a good thing to happen and something that you know, I never expected it to continue this long. And there's been many times where I've thought, I don't have time for this. And then I'll get a random email from someone. And um, for, you know, the intention was just for me to share about the journey that we were on. But what I've learned is that by sharing, that it's helped a lot of people. And so anytime I think about, you know, and wonder about what's next, what do I do with this? Um, now that the seasons have changed a little bit for our family, I'll always get a nudge to just keep it the way it is right now. (laughs) Well, we're Um, grateful for that. You were a a huge resource to us, um, both in our infertility process and in our adoption process. I think you were like the third person in the world to know that we were adopting. Oh. <laughs> and I believe that the that if I go back and look at our messages, it was like, OMG, what do I do? What advice do you have? Which you were like, a lot, but also where do I start? <laughs> oh, so, I've uh... loved watching your guys's I've loved watching it unfold. And I know it hasn't always been easy, you know, I don't think any any journey is easy by any means, but, um, it's been really an honor to watch you guys and watch you become parents. It's been fun. Well, thank you. Vice versa. We've really enjoyed watching you. So, and the journey continues. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking, what we're mostly focusing on with this episode, um, is we're talking about core values and, um, that's something that has always been strong for us, both in our development of our business and, uh, certainly came forward in our, um, adoption decision uh it really came to when we when we were at the the last stage of the decision to to go or no go on on max's case it really came down to the conversation of what are the core values of why we got into this in the first place and when we compared it against that it was easy um so thinking back to when you were approaching both your first and second adoptions um, what were your what were some of your core values that you went back to about the reasons you got into adoption and how you wanted to approach it um, through the process and the whole home study process and matching up and all of those different things? Yeah, um, I think a lot of factors go into play as you're starting the process. I remember filling out home study paperwork, and I think we checked every box because we were okay with anything. But I mean, looking back, were we really thinking about what are the implications of this? You know, can we raise children of color? Are we prepared to handle, you know, certain 
special needs that a kid may have. Um, and I think by the time we had started the process, I think we both just were going to be open to whatever, you know, take it case by case, um, whatever situation would come up. And, uh, I mean, we've certainly made some different lifestyle choices since we've adopted two children of color, uh, to live in a more diverse city and, uh, have opportunities for not just them, but our whole family to, uh, experience different cultures and, and things like that. Um, but I will say that the one thing that I really have learned over the past couple of years is I think we were hesitant to check certain boxes, more hesitant than others. Um, but looking back, I would have checked everything confidently because, and this is why, um, so obviously we've adopted twice and also have two biological kids. Both of my pregnancies, I had complications. Um, and our biological son has some pretty significant special needs, um, at this point. And so what I've learned is that as a birth mother, um, as a biological mother, I can take the very best care of myself and I can have, you know, the deck of cards in my favor, but still have no control over the future of my children and, um, any obstacles that may come up. And so that's something that Chris and I have talked a lot about over the past couple of years since having biological kids is that, um, regardless of what led up to our children coming to us, what type of special needs they may have, we will still love them. Um, and the bottom line is for us anyway, something that we've come to realize and really, um, accept is that we can't control the future of our kids. So, um, we can't control their health. We can't control their abilities. We can't control, you know, any of that. And so, uh, I think we just truly believe now that we were meant to be the parents of the children that we have. Um, and, and that we're equipped to handle whatever may come our way. And so we've really had to trust that with, especially with our, with, my, ex my pregnancy experiences and biological kids. And so looking back, like I said, I wouldn't have necessarily been as nervous about, oh, are we prepared to handle, you know, a kid with special needs or, um, a kid that has a family history with X, Y, Z. Um, because the bottom line is that I truly believe that the door will open, um, when it's supposed to, you know, and however it's supposed to. I mean, there's certain things, obviously, when you're looking and checking those boxes um, about what you're comfortable with, I do think that you really have to sit down and think about, am I willing to do everything I can to make sure that this child has what they need? Um, 
And sometimes it means picking up and moving closer to, you know, certain resources or certain types of, you know, opportunities for them. Um, but that's the same thing you would do if you, if you needed, you know, access to a certain facility or a certain hospital. Right. And I mean, you, the bottom line is that you treat your kids that come to you through adoption, you treat them the same way that you would with your biological Anyone kids. Else. Yep. You know, uh, it, yeah. It's it's like anything. It's like in when when they're just a theory, filling out a sheet. There's lots of things you are thinking about and concerned about, but once you have them, whatever comes, you handle, and you right. go forward on. That's much and easier think... to decide in retrospect, of course. <laughs> right? No, yeah. You know that is true, and I think also though when you're in the beginning of the process, and so much as feels like it's out of your control, yeah, and so. It's the one thing that you can kind of <laughs> try and pick and choose. Um, but man, you know what? If you would have told me 10 years ago when I married my husband what my family would be like, <laughs> I would have said, you're crazy. First of all, no I'm way. not going to have four kids. And <laughs> I mean, but gosh, it has seriously... I mean, our family has turned out so much better than what I would have ever, ever pictured. Um, and sometimes I think it is, sometimes I think it is letting go of the control, you know, like, and just trusting that um, you will do the hard work and you'll, you'll accept whatever, um, whatever obstacles might come because they'll come with any child. And um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. No, it but. does. And I think the core of that is that you love. Um, no, You love no matter what. You love under no condition, unconditionally. Um, and that's right. easy to say. And it's easy to say that that's what you do. But when you strip away all the things that you just said, uh, that, that worries or the struggles or the, um, you know, any sort of issues you have with the children you do get, when you strip all that away and you just love, it's easy. Well, and I, th- I think all parents would agree after being parents for however long, whether it's a few months or a few or several years, there is a whole host of things that suddenly become your skill set and things you can handle and things you can do that you would have told yourself before were never possible. I can function really well on like three hours of sleep. It's a miracle. And so, Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and so, you know, each kid is so different and they all have their different things, you know, so you just adjust. You just and take it as it comes. If you're willing to put in the, if you're willing to be a true parent, which obviously going through adoption, adoption process, you, you do a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, when you're a parent, you, you do the things you need to do. Somebody tell, told me, a good friend of mine said, hard things are hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's <laughs> hard. It's okay. Have you noticed how small businesses and nonprofits are posting videos on social media these days? Every day, thousands of them are sharing video content. But did you know you don't have to spend a fortune to invest in video for your brand? Forever Ready Productions is here to help you out. We make your work stand out while telling your story, but most importantly, 
getting it done in time to have an impact. For more information, visit foreverreadyllc.com. So I think kind of sticking with that idea, because the core idea of loving unconditionally, um, you mentioned earlier, so you have two biological and two adopted children. They're beautiful, wonderful. I love following the journey on this family's journey. Um, Can you talk about, so our son is is Hispanic, um, and uh, we are exploring and learning, just like you said, uh, new ways to make sure that we're exposing ourselves and exposing him to people that look like him and his culture, um, which is very different than ours. What is it like? Um, you said you moved to a new city that was more diverse, that had, had more opportunities for your girls to be exposed to people who look like them. What is it like um, raising two children of color? It is absolutely life-changing, but in the best of ways. Um, I feel like I am a far better person uh, than I was years ago because I have learned so much from their birth families and um, the, you know, the priority that we have of making sure that they see themselves reflected in the community has been great for us you know um it's opened our eyes to how think how we would have done things differently in our lives before we had them and you know being in the media and being a former police officer just I mean it's eye-opening um oh, I bet I bet I think that I mean I've even told I've told many people that I'm I'm raising better white kids because we are conscious about being in diverse spaces and um don't get me wrong we're in iowa so it's still really (laughs) hard sometimes you are in one of the most diverse places in iowa (laughs) right yeah so um we made that decision um when our girls were really young so they were both under the age of two our first it's such a learning curve for white parents to do right by their children of color. And I can't even pretend that I know it all because I don't. And I'm learning all the time. I'm learning from, especially from the women of color that I'm friends with. Um, just, but you're learning. That's the you key. Know, you're, right. You, yeah. You are open to learning. You know, you don't have all the answers. Right. Yeah. And that is something that I think I've grappled with, you know, pretty early on was that I will never be able to relate to our oldest two daughters on the same level that their birth parents would ever be able to, because my life experiences will always be that of a white woman and not a woman of color. And so I know there will be a day where one of my girls comes home and says, you know, that she was treated differently or, um, or have questions that I may not, I know that I won't always be able to say, well, I understand what that's like because I won't. And that part, you know, it's just, it's hard. Um, but that again is where I lean on, you know, my husband and I lean on our community 
I'll mm-hmm. call them, but our friends of color who, you know, can help guide us in those conversations and help um, speak life into our girls in ways that we will probably fall short. We focus a lot on spending time in diverse places, um, as many opportunities as we can get. And I ultimately think that by doing that, all of our kids will be better off. If I could tell people a few things before they would adopt children of color, I would say you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to have an honest look in the mirror at yourself and your biases or prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to sit down with people of color and um, really be intentional um, and genuine in forming these relationships because I can promise you that they will be some of the most amazing blessings in your life. Right. Around, uh, right about the time we decided to think about adopting, we started looking around. <laughs> we started looking around at our peers. We started looking around at our church. We started uh, asking questions of each other, like maybe we should change, have a change of scenery. So I think, I think it's important. And I think it's something that people really need to address head on if, if they're going to be open to this uh, by way of adoption. Yeah. And there's some really good resources out there from people who were adopted transracially. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone who is exploring transracial adoption to read and learn and be, and be open-minded. Open. Yep. Yep. Be <laughs> right. Open, and not be, and not be defensive, not be defensive too, because I, I feel like some people just, just want to do it on their own and um, you can't. can't. <laughs> yeah. you can't most certainly I don't I don't remember having like an explicit conversation with people about hey our daughter is black um I mean it's obvious <laughs> in <laughs> pictures in room, people pretty we, yeah they pretty clearly see that right I mean what I what I found funny in the beginning was I mean obviously I was still on the news and um when we brought our first daughter home and I remember if Chris and I were out anywhere with her, if she was in her stroller and, um, or one of us, you know, we were carrying her or whatever, people would stop us and like triple take. <laughs> they'd look, <laughs> they'd look at us and then look at her and then look at us and look at her. And they were so puzzled by it. And I mean, it was just, and I remember, telling Chris we needed to think of some clever responses because people were like, oh my gosh, did you adopt? Like, <laughs> I mean, we did have like some funny sarcastic responses that we never sure. used, but yeah, just we, between we, the we two know of you us. Wanted to. Like, you know how many times Scott gets, oh, he looks just like you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean. Least, I mean, but but Max is very light-skinned, so I, I can understand, but I just try to tell myself that when people say that our you know, son looks like us, that, that, that means it looks like he belongs with us. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, but people also mean like, well. <laughs> and, but I think that's also a reflection of how people define family in their own mind. And, sure. um, because I still have people tell me, 
oh, Olivia has your exact smile. And Kendra's <laughs> eyes and her eyebrows look exactly like you. And while I understand, I mean, I understand that our, our mannerisms can sometimes reflect one another. Um, right. Sure. But also, I kind of get a little bit defensive because um, I feel like their birth parents deserve the credit, you know, like, and right. so, they but also, <laughs> right. I mean, they're the ones that gave them these great, gorgeous jeans. I have right. nothing to do with that. <laughs> Zero credit for um, that. But also, I want them to feel proud that they um, look like their biological parents. And so when yeah. people make comments like that, especially as they're getting older, I don't want them to feel confused or, you know, strange that people would try and, you know, somehow connect us in ways that we really aren't genetically connected, you know, like, yeah. um, sure. There's pictures where I see similarities and we have very similar faces or, you know, right. Um, expressions happening, but I try to gently, um, I guess correct would be the right word, but just kind of say, oh, I mean, because Kendra has her birth mom's eyes and I'll say that to people, um, that her, she looks just like her birth mom or, yep, she has her birth, her birth dad smile or, um, because I know that my daughters are of the age now where they understand that. Well, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I have no idea how we're going to end up doing anything but just a Q&A with <laughs> you because I think it's you've, you've mentioned so many things. You've touched on so many things that we sometimes have trouble putting into words yeah. about our journey because, <laughs> hello, we're only eight months in. Um, and it's just tremendous. So real quick so for our listeners... Can you let them know how they can find out more about you, follow your journey, and read about your past? Yes. Um, so my website is ShellyScooster.com, S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-S-K-U-S-T-E-R.com. Also, I'm really active on Facebook. And then also I have Twitter and Instagram. Occasionally I'm on Pinterest. <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place. So basically um, people can find you, this family's journey. Yeah, and always, you know, people can always email me too. Thanks so much, Shelly. And that does it for episode four of Ready or Not. As always, feedback at readyornotpodcast.com. Feel free to like and subscribe, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. As always, ending with a quote, if there's a cause worth fighting for, it is this. Children belong in families. And with that... We'll see you next time. This podcast was recorded in our closet studio in Midtown Memphis, Tennessee. Edited by me, Lauren Reedy. Graphic designed by Brody Kuhar and hosted by the OAM Network. For more information, visit theoamnetwork.com. OAMnetwork.com. Power to the podcast.